What's up, world? Welcome to a new episode of the Brand New Show. As you already know, I am Brand New, and shout out to everybody that's listening to the new episode that is out right now. Top ten list uh, with my family. It is the best uh, debut singles, the greatest debut singles ever list. Uh, shout out to my family for doing that with me. Uh, I think we're doing something tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that soon. Um, but if not, you have at least this episode. Until then. <laughs> So, tonight's episode, I will be giving you guys Life and Times of Music. It's been a minute since I've done one by myself, Life and Times of Music, but we're going to do one tonight. Um, and like always, man, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you guys have been enjoying them. Like I said, these episodes are coming out this week. Um, and if we don't do something tomorrow, I'll probably do another episode before the end of this week. Uh, so, hope you guys enjoy these episodes, man. Uh, shout out to everybody that's been subscribing on YouTube, following me on uh, Instagram or TikTok. I appreciate you guys. Uh, so I'll get into it. Life and Times for Music. So, the last time I think I did one, I could have sworn I said that I was going to uh, do one uh, on the one and only Ed Sheeran. And that's exactly what I'm doing one on today. Uh, <clears throat> now, I did an episode earlier this season called White Noise, which, you know, I pretty much explained why I have, why I love, like, Ed Sheeran, uh, Eminem, Justin Timberlake, guys like that, you know, a lot of the white artists, pretty much, and how did I get into these guys' music, so, <clears throat> and it's fucking ironic, because it's funny, because every time I'm, I'm, I don't know what it is, but every year, because, you know, Facebook, they, they send you, they, they do the memories, right? So, I remember one day, I remember doing a Drake episode just recently, and the Drake episode popped up. <laughs> and then I did earlier in my podcast career, and then I did a J. Cole episode, and that popped up. So, I'm, and then today, in the memory, was me talking about that sharing. So, I don't know if it's just a yearly thing that I just like. It's not time to talk about this person. I don't know what it is. It, that shit just, I don't fucking know. That's crazy how that shit works. But, um, yeah, man, Ed Sheeran is the guy I want to, the, the artist that I want to talk about, man. I'm going to talk about, if you know anything about any of these things I've done, uh, the Jeezy or the Rick Ross, that I've broken down these these artists and just talked about their discography and their careers. You know, I did one on Drake. I will be doing another one on J. Cole real soon. I did one earlier, but I just didn't like that one. I put it out, but I didn't like that one. So I'm going to definitely get into the J. Cole one a little bit more uh, and everything. So uh, so be on the lookout for that real soon. But um, Ed Sheeran, man. Ed Sheeran is one of my favorite artists, man. And um, something that my, my brother DC from What The Shit said on on this episode, actually. Uh, that's out right now. He said, you know, Ed Sheeran is one of his favorite artists too. And, you know, a lot of people might not understand why, you know, how I, you know, you know, grew to respect and love Ed Sheeran's music. And I think the person, man, like the person is so down to fucking hurt. Like, it's like, when you see him on a breakfast, uh, the breakfast club, and when he goes like that's the breakfast club, or any interview you've ever seen Ed Sheeran do, he he seems so fucking humble, man. It's just like there's no way in hell this man 
sells out stadiums, not fuck arenas. He sells out stadiums. Like, I'm trying to find tickets right now for his show that's going to be in NRG Stadium. That's where the Houston Texans play. It's like, I'm trying to find tickets for that shit right now. And, like, the price of the motherfuckers are high than a bitch. And they probably will come down to, to maybe next year, like January, like January, February. So that might be a birthday gift to myself. Just go to the Ed Sharon concert. I've seen him once in my life. Uh, Minute Maid Park um, when he was doing the Divide Tour. It was an incredible experience to be there and see. It was high up, though. So, you know, I need to – those tickets, uh, again, it's a stadium, so I'm probably going to be high up again. But as long as I'm in a building, I don't give a shit. Uh, but let's get into it, man. Ed Sheeran is, like I said, one of my favorite artists, and there's a reason for it because of the ability of this man. I think his creative, you know, going to Ed Sheeran concert, does not describe anything because you have to physically go. Like I can tell you and I can light up when I'm telling you this shit, but physically going to his show. He has no background singers. He has no background band. He doesn't do any of that shit. He literally has his guitar, a loop. The shit is incredible, man. But let's get into it, man. Asheron, the first time I heard Asheron's music, man, was 2000 say 12, 13. Uh, like I said, I was in school when I saw uh, his first video, 18, off of his album Plus. And, you know, I'm probably repeating a lot of shit I said out on White Noise, but you know what I mean by this, man. I, I remember, you know, listening to seeing 18, getting ready for high school, um, <clears throat> 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, this is back in the day where they used to have music videos on TV a little bit. I mean, that's that's literally like a decade ago. You can't even fathom like a decade ago that they used to have videos on TV. <laughs> it's like, that shit sounds crazy now. But they used to have videos on TV. And they used to play them right at the beginning, 6 o'clock in the morning. You used to get ready for school. And uh, I remember just like, I remember um, this video coming on. I'm getting ready for school. It's like black and white. And this kid is sitting on a bench playing guitar. And he's just, he's singing 18, you know. Uh, she's in a class 18, stuck in her daydream. You know, been this way since 18, but lately. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, you hear that and then you, 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 you know, you, you're listening, but you're not really like, again, like you said, you're listening, but you're not really paying no goddamn attention. Trying to get ready for school. And uh, so I go to school, and I don't know what it is, but by the time I get done with, by the time I'm, like, in, like, maybe fifth period, the song is set in my head, and I'm, like, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm doing work, and it's just, like, 18, she's stuck in a, and it's just, like, God damn, this song is, is catchy as fuck, and I, I came home, <clears throat> and this is when I had an iPod. Fuck an iPhone. I had an iPod. And I got my laptop. I sucked my iPod to my laptop and I downloaded 18. And bought it and downloaded this. <laughs> and I'm listening to this song, man. I'm like, Joe, this dude is 
just was fucking good. And then Lego House comes out. And I'm watching a video. And like I said, during the you know, White Noise episode, who's playing Ed Sheeran throughout the video? It's nothing, it's nobody but Ryan Weasley from the Harry Potter uh, movies. You know, so it was just like, damn, that's crazy. Because he looked like Ryan Weasley. <laughs> like, like the first time you saw Ed Sheeran, you, this is, I think, before he had like a lot of tattoos and all this shit. He looked like Ryan Weasley. He was just in a hoodie all the time with a guitar in his hands with red, with red hair. And so the only person I remember like that that was in hoodies all the time, red hair, pale, <laughs> was Ryan Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. And it's just like, wow. So to get him to actually be in the music video for him, for a Lego house, was incredible. He's, the Lego house video was so cool because it's Ryan Weasley stalking Ed Sheeran. <laughs> like, like it's Ryan Weasley stalking Ed Sheeran. And... You know, he, he tries to sneak into his concert and everything. And, and you know, and at the end of the music video, he's they arrest Ryan Weasley. He's walking out of the of the arena, but he walks past Ash Sheeran. And Ash Sheeran looks at him like, what the fuck? And, I, and he's like, yo, I'm trying to, yo. It, it is, it's the craziest thing, man. And it's such a cool, it's such a cool music video, man. It's so funny, but it's, it's, the song catches you again. Lego House goes on, does incredible numbers. But to hear his journey before he even put out Plus, his album Plus, which came out in 2011, to hit a journey that this kid, this man had to go through to even get that it's crazy. Like, the fact that this man left London, I think, at, like, 16, 17 years old, left a country, came to America. The first people that literally gave him love and gave him affection and really showed him, like, true, like, yo, we felt with your music was black people. Like, if you actually go listen to his story, he came to Hollywood. He had nowhere to go. So somebody... Somehow, some way, he ended up on a Jamie Fox. Uh, Jamie Fox had a radio show on Sirius XM, and Jamie Fox let this dude come on the show, and he sung, you know, "You Need Me and I Don't Need You," which is another song off a of Plus. And Jamie Fox was like, "Yo, this kid is fucking incredible." Jamie Fox literally puts this man in his house, his his his, his, his I think it was like his beach house or something, and let this man stay with him. And they used to take him to clubs, black clubs. And he used to get on stage, this pale white kid from London. And he got on stage at black clubs. And it'd be comedy nights and shit. It's not even like it's a real R&B night. He took him to comedy clubs. And he would go and do these, these songs that wasn't even out yet. And he would sing them. And, the, and people that looked like me was giving this man his props. And I love that because it's like, and so when people say Ed Sheeran, you know, when people try to go at that man, I don't, I don't really see that many people go at Ed Sheeran, which is crazy to say, because I don't see it. I don't really see that many people go at Ed Sheeran. And it's, it's so crazy to see, you know, when the Plus album came out and to hear just the respect that they have for him. 
and then you put into perspective of, you know, the album comes out, but, you know, he ends up on tour. The person he ends up on tour with was Taylor Swift. She was the first person to really put him on. She brought him on tour. And at this time, I mean, Taylor Swift is still a massive fucking name. But at this time, that was like, this is 2011, 2012. Like, Taylor Swift could do no fucking wrong. This is, be, this is pre Taylor Kanye bullshit. Like, I mean, they already had a little something, but this is before, like, Kanye exposed the Snapchats and all that shit. Like, this is, like, pre that. Taylor Swift could do no wrong. Everybody still thought of her as America's sweetheart and shit like that. And to see her put him on tour and boost his album sales like that. Plus, album was incredible, man. I got into Asheron's music off of 18. Lego House was incredible. And then I started just, like, really listening to his, his album Plus. And I got, like, a couple of songs off that, man. Gimme Love is 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 one of them songs that you listen to uh now and you understood like damn and that was like a long ass song, it's like eight minutes long and it, I think it just has like a guitar his guitar playing at the end of it. But Gimme Love is a really good song. Small Bump is one of my favorite songs off of plus. Um You Need Me and I Don't Need You, of course. That's like the shit. I mean, he's rapping on it. He's killing it, man. Like that, like I said on the White Noise episode, when I heard you, you need me and I don't need you, and he's rapping, and I'm like, yo, this dude got it, man. It's nothing. It's, it's just he got it, man. That album was so good. Like from 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 a from a you know musical perspective, man, it was a really good fucking album. And you know that was 2011 when it came out. 2012, 2013 is when he starts to kind of get his his shit popping. A lot of people start to listen to him, pay attention to him. Taylor Swift, like I said, put him on. Lego House kind of goes and becomes a big fucking song. 18 becomes a big fucking song. So it becomes something. Uh, but before he dropped his sophomore album that really catapulted him into stardom, um, he had an album before Plus that actually came out, and it was number five. And I say this now because I'm going to talk about a project that he dropped later on that's called Number 6. Now, Number 5 was a collaboration project. He did with a lot of London artists. Now, Ed Sheeran is one of those very few artists that really don't do collaborations when he does songs. When he does albums, he has collaborating writing partners, partners, but he doesn't really have a lot of collaborations. So you rarely hear him on songs with a lot of people. Um which is pretty interesting because to say that a person like him who writes so many songs for so many artists, I'm pretty sure he has songs that he's collaborated with a lot of people on. But in 2013, this is like when I started really, really, really getting into Ed Sheeran's music. He dropped a, a feature with um, Lupe Fiasco. Him and Lupe Fiasco did this song called Old School Love. And as soon as I heard it, it was one of my favorite songs. The way he was carrying the hook. And Lupe, you know, has always had good songs for me personally. I've always liked Lupe's records. So when those two kind of got together and did that song, I realized right then and there, I'm like, yo, this shit is smooth than a motherfucker. And it's such a good fucking song. Old School Love is one of them songs, man. Like, if you have never heard that song, go listen to it. Lupe's pretty much breaking down the essence of why he fell in love with hip-hop pretty much and Ed Sheeran's hook just sells it perfectly so um but that was in 2013 so moving to 2014 
he starts promoting and getting ready and geared up for uh, his sophomore album, X, or Multiply. Um, man, you couldn't tell me this album wasn't everywhere. Uh, the first song off of this project was Sing. Sing featured same same well i just said he didn't have a lot of features but he, he didn't even credit a feature on this but saying had pharrell pharrell produced this song for him and at the time pharrell was such a massive big star again you know pharrell's always been a great a big star but this was like his his essence of like without the neptunes this was pharrell's time to shine this is around the time when pharrell dropped happy this shit was everywhere so for him to get a, a produce a produce song by excuse me from by Pharrell was massive, and then you actually watch the documentary on on uh how they created X album. He goes and says he sat down with Pharrell. Pharrell played him a bunch of beats. The the song sang, the beat for sang kind of just he didn't like it at first. He was like this this is I don't want that, and then he. A couple of hours in the studio sessions, he started like going back to that beat, and Pharrell looked at him like, mm-hmm, told you you're gonna like this song. And he's like, fuck it. And he went in and did a song, and it became a massive fucking hit. Clearly, it wasn't the hit of the album, but it was a, it was a great starting single. The song was, inc- the single was a great sing- a song, man. It was an incredible song to start that project off. There was nothing that I don't think that he could have done. Because if he would have dropped, you know, any other song off that project first, I don't think it would have had that same, mm, you know what I'm saying, like he needed it to be. You know, the, the video of Sing is such a cool video. It's literally a puppet-ass Sharon with at the real-ass Sharon and Pharrell. And they're just fucking around in a nightclub. It kind of was like, I can't tell which video came out first, but it was kind of like, I can't feel my face with The weekend. You know, it was like, it was like, but it was in 2014. It was like a karaoke scene. It was a puppet. It was just like, it's a puppet at Sharon. They're playing guitar. They're doing these things. And it was so funny. And it was so creative. And, um, you know, and yeah, man, the X, that was the first single off of Multiply. It wasn't the single off of Multiply. It was the first single off of Multiply. But to have that be the first song off of Multiply was incredible. It was a great starting single I said this also on the White Noise episode that I was watching I think it was Jonathan Ross show in London and he, he was performing and he he performed sing he performed two other songs that nobody had heard yet off the project and this is the show I heard Don't he performed the song Don't this song was so fucking catchy. I didn't even, like, I was like, yo, I gotta get this out when it comes out. He sold me on that song immediately. Again, I was going through a lot of shit, so it made sense to have that song be that song. Dump was so good. So good. Um, You know, pretty much talks about kind of kind of getting jaded in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? With a, with a, with a with a girl in the industry, 
you know, he's like, she wants me to come to her room and all these things. And then at the end of the song, you hear him pretty much say, like, yo, I already told you what we do this for. Trust and respect. That's what I do this for. I never intended to be next. You know, it's just like the fact that he was just going into going into all these things and then finding out the girl really just started, you know, talking to somebody else. It was just like, that's so crazy. And it was such a great and catchy song. And I think at the end of the day, man, Don't was a great song because at the end of the day, I think a lot of people that listen to that project, you know why that song was so catchy. You know who he was talking about too. So it's just like, that was an incredible song, man. Don't was an incredible song. It was catchy as hell. You know what I'm saying? Like the first two songs were fucking catchy. I was listening to that shit today and I'm like, yo, this shit is still fucking catchy. Um, but that whole Multiply album was so incredible. You know, you had Sing, you had Don't, you had uh, Bloodstream. Oh my God. Dude, going, I went, when I went to see him at the Divide concert and he performed that shit, I understood why I love that song so much. That shit is incredible. I remember seeing him perform it at an award show. I can't remember what award show, but he performed that at an award show. And I could tell the people were like, Yo, this shit is this shit is different. Don't is such an dead song, and then Blood Bloodstream was just a different fucking level of, of of legendary. The dude is one of them dudes, man. I think that at the end of the day, uh, Bloodstream was so great. Going to see him perform, going to see him, and he performed that. I was like, yep, this is a great song. The fact that he does the background singles before he even starts singing, he's playing a guitar first, right? He's playing the guitar, and this is why I said you got to go see him live. He literally has the loops. He has the beat maker, the loop. He's literally playing the guitar. He has a mic. He has the mic, and then he starts singing the, the hooks. He's singing the background vocals, like, as he's playing the guitar. And it's just like, and, and he's doing it for bloodstream, and you're watching him do it. And it's like, there's no way in hell this shit going to play out the way I, I expected. He does it. He kills it. Bloodstream, man, is one of my favorite songs. He has Runaway. Oh, my God. That shit is such a fucking great song. Like, Runaway, as soon as I heard it, became my favorite fucking song. Like, it was just like, yep, this shit is good. You know, like, and he's talking about it, it's his relationship with his father. You know, on there. You know, talking about how he, he, he you know, kind of doesn't want to disappoint him. But he knows he can't stay in the same place he's in because it's not going to work out for him. If he stays in the same place, so he's got to run away. I thought that was such a great song. The man, when he's talking about another relationship in this, he's talking about another relationship, you know, um, pretty much talking about, you know, another girl that kind of he left, you know, he broke up with, I guess, to, you know, follow his dreams. It's such a great song. You know, it kind of talks about how she kind of also left him in the process. You have that, and then you have, uh, Nina, which is such a good one. That shit catchy to the motherfucker. Yo, this whole project either has a really great, a really great uh, thought process songs. Like, you just, you listen to these songs, you fall in love with these songs, and then you got songs on this project that are just, like, catchy to the motherfucker. Nina is so fucking catchy. Oh, Nina. <laughs> and, like, yeah, it was so fucking catchy, man. Uh, So fucking catchy. You have uh, 
Tenere and C. You have, you know, man, man, man. And then also on the John Ross show, that's the episode where he also debuted Thinking Out Loud. This song clearly went on to become bigger than I, but I knew it was going to be a massive hit when I saw him perform it. And it wasn't the 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 version on the album. It it wasn't. It was literally, man. It was like, it, I think it orchestrated. I think that's how you said. I guess. <laughs> but um, it was just him and a guitar. No beat loop. No nothing. Just him and a guitar. And he's singing his song. And I'm listening to this song and I'm realizing. This song is going to be massive. I knew it. I was like, yo, this fucking song is going to be fucking massive. Because you would, and I, I, I was, I, I literally remember buying the album. And I remember like the day it came out and I bought it and I listened to it. I went to that song particularly because I wanted to hear if he was going to keep it that way. And he didn't. He put extra into it. It's still a great song. I still love it. But it's the day I heard that shit on the John Ross show will never change my perspective on that song. Even though he did all of the, the guitar shit, that was the best version I ever fucking heard of Thinking Out Loud. I've ever heard in my life. Like, I literally was like, if he keeps that song that way, there's nothing else this man can do to ever shake me as a fan. Because this shit was incredible. That won me over as an action fan. I literally, like, I heard Thinking Out Loud for the first time, and I was like, yep, this, I got to get this album. I'm watching, I had to replay that video like five fucking times, just watching him perform that song. I'm sitting there like, yo, I gotta get this album when this shit come out. Don't was great. Sung, sang was, song was great. Sang was great. Thinking out loud, the original version that I saw that night on YouTube and everything, I just was like, I gotta get this album. <laughs> I said, like, I gotta get this album. This dude fucking won. He got it. I, I was like, I gotta get this album. He, that fucking performance won me to fuck over. I'm not gonna even lie to y'all. That performance won me to fuck over right in and there. A, a Fire Love. A Fire Love is such a great fucking song. That's before Thinking Out Loud on that project. The Man, then it goes The Man, then like A, a, a Fire Love, and then Thinking Out Loud. Then it goes into uh, uh, Take It Back is one of my favorite fucking songs off of X. That is the shit. I don't go fuck what nobody said. That is my favorite song of an ex. That is it. That is my favorite song. Um, one, I'm a mess. You know, oh my god, the fucking album is incredible, man. That whole fucking body of work. His sophomore album, I will put against any other person's sophomore album. That shit was fucking fantastic. I have never heard an album like that. That was fucking incredible. Um, yeah, I was in, I was in, I was like, that's the best song, that album was so fucking incredible, man, also around this time is when I think the Hobbit movie came out, and I See Fire from him came out, and I was, again, like, 
this song is great. That's <laughs> like, this song is great. I don't need nothing else with it. It builds literally, I'm going to get to say, I'm probably saying this a lot during this episode, but go see Ash Sheeran live. Because he performed this shit, and I'm singing this shit. Like, and then he, like, I think he, like, even remixed it a little bit, put, like, some other shit into it. Man, that song was so good, man. That's that, like, Icy Fire is one of them fucking songs. You will never understand how good that song is until you go see it live. That shit's incredible, man. It was an incredible body of work. Um, then he kind of, like, goes off and does his stuff. He's kind of quiet again for a good bit of time. And then, you know... Again, he doesn't really do a lot of things. He doesn't really, like, collab and all that stuff, man. But, again, he heats up when he needs to. 2017 comes around. Uh, actually, 2016, I think he started doing all of this. But um, he drops the first single off of his third project, really fourth, but his third project, um, Divide, and the first single off of the project is Shape of You. Shape of You was so catchy. Immediately a fucking hit. Now, I have to put out the fact that, yes, he used TLC. I forgot what song he used from TLC to make a Shape of You. But either way it goes, he used TLC. Um, but for me, it doesn't change the creation of that song, uh, what the song still feels like. It's an incredible body of work, man. Shape of You was so good. And it was it was something that I think even 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 people that didn't like uh, didn't never heard of Ash Sharon, which is crazy to say at that time. But if you didn't even hear of Ash Sharon, Shape of You made you a fan of his. Um my mom I, I play my mom thinking out loud in 2014, I remember playing A Shape of You in the car. She immediately loved the fucking song. Like, <laughs> I, 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 she immediately loved the song. The shit was just fucking catchy, man. He also, around that time, dropped Castle of the Hill, which is kind of like him giving an homage to his friends, his family, people that he literally uh, grew up with that are they're all in different spaces of their lives now. And, you know, now it's such a good fucking song, you know. Uh, I think he actually dropped both of them songs at the same time, actually, if I'm not mistaken. But Shape of You was just the one that went off and did a massive fucking thing for him. Diddy drops Divide, man. Divide is such a great fucking body of work. Um, on Divide, he has uh, Dive, which is the second single um, after Eraser. Eraser, he's rapping on Eraser. Um... Then he has Divide. Then he goes into Shape of You. No Castle of the Hill. And then uh, I think it is Shape of You. I oh, know it's perfect. Then it's Shape. No, it's Shape of You, then it's perfect. Some shit like that. But perfect becomes a massive fucking hit. Like, and it has a remix with, you know, you know, Beyonce. And Perfect is such a great fucking song, too. You know, and then, you know, it goes off and does incredible numbers for him. Divide is such a great project because, and a lot of people would actually say 
that's his best album. I don't know that. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 damn sure up there. I mean, when I do my you know you know multiply versus divide uh you know album for album, you know when it comes to ass sharing, there's gonna be a hard ass conversation to have for me personally because I love both projects. Um, but perfect on there. Div- uh, dive, uh, shape of you, castle of the hill, eraser, the man. Uh, no, not the man. Happier. Oh my god, happier such a great fucking song. New man, new man. I wanted to say, new man on there. Um, uh, supermarket flowers. Um, Barcelona. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um. Galway Girl, like Galway Girl. Oh man, yeah. Holy shit, he had some hits on that motherfucker. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. Um, save myself at the end of the album. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. That fucking project was good, man. The vibe was really fucking good. Like, if I actually listen to it now and look at it now, it was a fucking banger. That was a good fucking project. Holy shit. I might have a problem with that goddamn album. Those two albums might be really hard to judge. I don't know that one. Um, But the vibe was such a good fucking body of work, too, man. Um, How would, how would you feel? Oh, that shit was good. He had another one. I was listening to that shit today. Um, but what do I know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, that was another one. Um, yeah, the vibe was an incredible body of work. Like I said earlier, he also dropped, like I said, he dropped number five collaboration album. That was really actually his first project that actually came out, I think in the U.S., I think. But, it, you know, Plus was really the first project that really popped off. He dropped another collaboration album. This time was number six. And number six was what I think a lot of Asher fans were kind of waiting for, and that is how would he sound with other artists. And, man, he sounded incredible with other artists. You know, he drops uh, Beautiful People with Khalid, and then he drops uh, him and Justin Bieber's song, I Don't Care, you know, or, you know, him and Chance the Rapper and, you know, late P&B Rock, you know, anything she needs, she can call me, no word as a, like, it's shit, like, goddamn, him and Meek Mill and A Boogie with the hoodie, like, oh, man, yeah, him and Stormzy, him and Yabba, like, shit, like, yo, if you want to, like, cry, <laughs> like, you want to cry, go to him and Yabba, like, his shit is not even real, man, that shit is so fucking good. Him and her, oh man, like him and Ella May, he has so many songs on that fucking project. That I'm sure I did a body. That project didn't really him, Chris Stapleton, and Bruno Mars. Who the fuck would have put them three together and make a fucking hit like that? Fucking project. That song is the last song off that project. It is fucking incredible. Yeah, numbers collaboration number six is fucking incredible. 
Like that fucking whole body of work was incredible. Him, Cardi B, and Camila Cabello, like all of that shit. They were oh my god, that album was so fucking good. Cause again, you never heard at what collaboration. Like you just never heard it. When he did do collaborations, always with other people. Excuse me, but yeah, that was crazy, man. He also did songs with Eminem at the time. He had songs with Eminem come out. Game and him did a lot of songs off of Game's uh, Bronx rap album. Yeah, that was just the fucking man. <laughs> um, which goes into this new album that he just dropped, Equal, and. You know, Equal was very interesting, you know, because I think he went back to his roots of what he really is as an essence, but you still got songs off there, you know what I'm saying, um, that are that are really good, two-step, um, you know, you still have songs off that project that are really fucking good, it really still tell the essence of who he is, and the way it sounds is that he's already working on the next album. And I hope um, he continues the tradition of just being himself and continuously making incredible body, incredible body of work. Azure is one of the rare few artists in this in this in my life probably that I will give a listen to no matter what because he's already provided so much music for me, but also much content to make me actually sit and actually think about a lot of things. Ed is one of those artists, like I've said numerous times throughout this episode. You got to go see him live. That's a different type of energy that you will never understand. He's one of those guys. He's one of the rare few artists in this industry that actually knows how to play instruments. That's rare. He's one of the rare few artists also in this industry that actually fucking performs by himself. He doesn't need a lot of the glitz and the glamour. doesn't need a lot of the kickbacks. He doesn't need a lot of that shit. He just needs a guitar, a mic stand, a microphone, and a beat loop. And that's it. He's one of the rare few. It's fucking incredible to see it live. And it's 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 even incredible to hear it on albums. The man is one of those guys. I hope this new body of work actually gives me more perspective of where he is now mentally when it comes to it. I mean, I heard his interview on Breakfast Club just recently where he said this new album is going to be more so of, you know, how he was doing around his trial of The Shape of You pretty much. You know, and to hear that, I want to hear that body of work because I've never heard Ed really in that state before. And I think a lot of his fans will say that. You know, the last album that he dropped was kind of more so he's happy to be a dad now. He's married now. He's, you know, he's he's in a new life mindset-wise. This new album sounds like it's going to be more of a, tri- a trial and tribulation album where it's like, you doubted me, you counted me out. Let me see what I can do now. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how this body of work is going to play out. All in all, Ed Sheeran, for what he has provided in his career so far, he's given us countless of number one singles. He's given us countless of hits. But more importantly, he's given us straight fire body of work. There's too many artists and there's too many people that don't understand why Ed Sheeran is one of those guys. He's one of my favorite artists, like I've said numerous times. And he continues to be that, man. I can't wait to see what he does next. Hopefully, I get tickets to go to his show in March. I really, really hope I get some tickets. But if I don't, he still will be one of my favorite artists in the in the in the, in the industry, man. I, I I truly, truly hope this episode 
makes more and more people go listen to Ed Sheeran's music if you haven't already. And if you have, I hope you understand why this episode is so much an important episode for me because he's one of those guys, man, that no matter how many things happen, I could go put on an Ed Sheeran album and vibe the fuck out. And that's one thing about a lot of music nowadays, I can't say. So thank you to Ed Sheeran for being that artist and being so fucking down to earth, man. That's rare. It's fucking rare. To have his career and to be like, you can just go kick it with him on a Saturday and y'all not doing shit, but watch like football, American art, you know, international football. It's just like, okay, that makes sense. Um, But yeah, next time on Life and Times with Music, I've been putting it off, but it's not going to be put off any fucking more because next time with Life and Times with Music, I will be doing Dreams and Nightmares, Meek Mill's first debut album. It just celebrated its 10-year anniversary. Well, guess what? Now it's coming, and I will be talking about that whole body of work. I'll be talking about that entire album in full and why I loved it so much when it first came out and why it's still one of my favorite debut albums from an artist in recent fucking times. Until then, I'm Brandon Janu, man, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. Peace.